Welcome to the Fish House Nation podcast presented by Catch Cover, your home for ice fishing news, tips, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Chris Larson. Hello and welcome to the Fish House Nation podcast. We're back. I'm Chris. He's Blake. And today we're going to be talking some early summer panfish. Blake, it's been a really strange year with weather, uh, cool, cool weather. And now all of a sudden we've got a big heat wave coming in. Uh, Panfish are kind of in a variety of different patterns. You've been out doing quite a bit of fishing here in the upper Midwest over the last few weeks. Uh, What are you seeing out there? Yeah, so, you know, in my neck of the woods, I'm in central Wisconsin here. Um, basically, everything's done. So fish are kind of pushed into those early season patterns. But I did spend some time in northern Wisconsin over the weekend. And up there, they're still kind of in in that spawning stage. You know, crappies were at the tail end. Bluegills were just really getting going. You know, some of those fish were locked onto beds. Some of them were showing up on beds. Uh, but like I said, for the most part, crappies were done. I did see some fish shallow but the large majority of them have already pushed out. Um, to me, this is my favorite time of the year to target panfish. Everybody loves the spawn. Like I get it, but those fish are so much more predictable. They're so much, the bites are way more consistent in my opinion, during this early, early season, uh, like early summer, late spring kind of time frame. All right. I know uh, a lot of people, when they, they kind of know when the spawn is on, uh, those fish are up in shallow, and if you're on one of those lakes where the bluegills are, you know, at this point, most of the crappies have already moved off, but the bluegills are up in the shallows, it's pretty easy to find them. You know, you're going to go around and, and look oh, for those beds, for sure. and basically if you throw anything at them, you know, they're they're going to be biting at it. But as those fish kind of start to get into that post, uh, where do you go to start finding fish? So if you're going to go out and hit one of these lakes that you're not really sure where things are, uh, where do you start? It's all about the weeds. It's literally all about the weeds right now. That's basically from now through the end of summer, I'm focusing all my time on weed lines, Um, especially if you can find good green weeds, you know, things like coontail or cabbage. Uh, Those are just panfish magnets. Um, Certain places, lily pads are really good, but uh, that's more so where you don't have the coontail and the cabbage, Uh, but it's all about the weeds right now. Yeah, so finding those weeds is key. Um, once you kind of find your location, what do you like to throw at them? And what are some of your favorite presentations and, and fishing patterns? So for me, my personal favorite is just a small two-inch paddle tail. Uh, my, it's a Eurotackle B-Vibe. I have it tied on literally 100% of the time. It's always on one or two of my rods. Um, and basically, the reason I like that is because you can fish it you know, regardless of the depth. So if you're fishing super shallow weeds, or if it's a little bit deeper weed line, you can still fish that same bait. Um, You can adjust based on the size of your jig, or you can just fish it a little bit slower, uh, let it fall down and kind of follow that weed line. But small paddle tail, uh, other soft plastics, you know, like a curly tail grub. Some hard baits are good, like small jerk baits. I know those are really popular during the pre-spawn period, but they also work really well post-spawn, especially as those fish are related to weeds, because you can just work them over the tops of those weeds. Uh, A paddle tail or a curly tail is definitely the most versatile, though. Yeah, you like those artificial lures, Blake. You're into the plastics and stuff. 
I love to fish that same pattern, but I, you know, and you know me, I'm a live bait guy. Uh, you know, I think this time of year, that just that vertical presentation on an ice jig and, you know, the difference for me between now and the summer is it's just a little beefed up piece of piece of bait there. Uh, I think like a half yep. a leaf worm is, is perfect. And, and they dig it on that, that ice jig. Oh, I believe that. Yeah, leeches are fantastic this time of year, too, especially if you can find, like, nice panfish-sized leeches. It seems like this is kind of the time of year, you know, after the bluegills have spawned, they start pushing on to deeper water when you'll see, like, the walleye fishermen catching those giant bluegills on accident. You know, if they're pulling a lindy rig or something with a big leech, yeah, bluegills mm -hmm. love those. Yeah, a little meat on there, I think, uh, does the trick with it. They dig that. Uh, this is also, you know, especially – you get into that early season, and and like you said, this uh, you and I were talking before the show, uh, where you were, the gills were still up on those beds and really in kind of a vulnerable spot. And this is a spot where people can really do damage to a fishery. And I see it, I'm sure you see it too, where they these guys are, people will go out and it's easy to find them and it's easy to clean off basically, you know, a whole side of, you know, you can run down a shoreline and just clean it right off. Um, you know, what are some things that, that uh, some tips and stuff that you have for folks that are going to go out and find these fish uh, just to make sure that it's a fun resource. It's fun to go out and target these fish and catch them, but to make sure that it's still there uh, for future generations. Yeah. I mean, realistically, I, I'm not one of these guys that's going to tell you not to bed fish. Um, if you're going to do it, just be cognizant. Uh, try to release those fish and, and release them as quickly as possible. You know, take a quick picture, let them go. Don't, you know, keep those fish out of the water for a long time. Um, and if it's a place that's getting hit really hard, just leave them alone. I mean, wait a couple of weeks and you'll have no problem finding them. Um, I get the, the appeal of bed fishing, especially with panfish. It's, it's really fun. You can see them, you know, it's, it's just a different interaction, but you just have to be way more cognizant because those fish are so easy to find during that time period. Um, just, just let some of them go. There's not a reason to keep a, a, you know, a whole bunch of them. Like during this time period, I don't ever keep fish. I will, I'll wait till a little bit later in the season. Just let them do their thing. Um, you know, make sure we have those fish to keep these lakes going, replenish. Um, yeah, just leave them alone if you can. Uh, you want to fish them, just let them go. All right. How about the male versus female dynamic? Uh, if they're out there fishing those areas and they're catching fish, um, you know, I, I remember as a kid, my dad going, well, I'll just throw those females back. They still got eggs in them. Uh, what, what's, what do you think there? So unlike many other species, it's actually more important to let the male bluegills grow because the male bluegills especially those larger ones dictate the overall size um, of a fishery so if you're if you have 10 inch bluegills and you take those 10 inch bluegills out i likely what will happen is that <clears throat> several smaller bluegills will then take its place in that lake so you want to make sure you're letting those bigger males go especially for bluegills obviously it's still just as important to let big females that are full of spawn let them go too but if it comes down to keeping one or the other uh, you know, a big male or a big female, I would take the big female and let that, that male stay just because they have such an important role in the overall size structure of that population. All right. How, how is it, uh, what's the best way for people to kind of decide 
between what's a male and what's a female? What should they be looking for when they're trying to determine which is which? Obviously, if the female's full of eggs and they're dripping out of her, well, that's that's a pretty easy way to figure it out. But uh, what are some other ways that people can figure out what, what they're looking at? Yeah, I mean, the easiest way with bluegills is their color patterns. So a lot of times those males, they'll have those darker, deeper colors. You'll see more of the blues and the purples. Um, the, the gills on them will be definitely a lot more blue. Um, you'll see all that right on the gill plate there. And the females, they tend to be more drab, like more of just like your, your green. They have less, you know, differences in coloration to them. So that's really the easiest way. If you've never seen the difference of them, if you don't really know, look up a picture. And it's very, very obvious once you see those two side by side. All right. Uh, I want to get into a little bit. I know we've been talking a lot of open water fishing, but uh, I've been hearing from some people. They still want to talk ice, uh, but let's get into, into that in a minute. Is there anything else about this early summer uh, panfish bite that, that you want to talk about before we transition into a little ice talk? Yeah, I mean, really, the only thing is, like, this is just a fun time of year for everything. Um, I was up, you know, in northern Wisconsin here over the weekend, and I managed to catch seven different species all under 10 feet of water. So, like, if you just want to go have some multi-species fun, you know, fish those you know, weed line areas, and I guarantee you're going to catch a ton of different fish. All right. So, you know, let's talk ice fishing uh, for panfish from a wheelhouse. And I always get a kick out of, of talking to people and, you know, you hear a lot of talk about what guys are doing and gals are doing out in wheelhouses. But whenever you talk to real expert ice anglers, people like you, and I ask them what's kind of the key to catching more fish through the ice, almost every one of them, the first thing that will come out of their mouth is stay mobile. And that's yeah. a difficult thing to do with a fish house. Not saying you can't move because you definitely can and you probably should. Um, but it's not as easy as moving around if you're just squirting around on your four-wheeler or your snowmobile or you're fishing out of a portable. Uh, it, it definitely is a little bit more work to take up and take down. So we wanted to kind of talk today about kind of fishing from one spot in a fish house for panfish. Um, first off, where do you put that house down? What are some places that people should kind of seek out if they're going to go out and try to catch some panfish with their with their fish house and they're going to go out on a lake what should they be looking for you know it really seems like you want to find kind of a high percentage spot so it, it really depends like if you are going out during the middle of the day uh typically you're going to want to be out towards that basin a little bit more that's where you know you'll go out to these lakes and you see these you know cities or villages of shacks well a lot of those are focused around the basin um, and those people that are out there during the daytime it seems like a lot of those fish are roaming out around the basins. <clears throat> However, if you, you know, you want to set up specifically for a morning bite or specifically for, you know, the night bite or afternoon bite, you might want to be, you know, somewhere adjacent to that deeper water, but not necessarily right over that deeper water. So I don't do a lot of this, but when I plan to set up for like crappies, if it's a, if I'm going to go out and fish nighttime crappies, I want to be somewhere away from that deepest water somewhere, you know, that they're going to come out of. So whether it's like a funnel that pushes up onto a flat, um, I'm not going to be able you know, that 30 plus, like it would be in the middle of the day if I'm targeting those basic crappies. It's more this, you know, spot on the spot, something that kind of funnels them up to shallower water where they're going to be cruising, you know, throughout the night. 
Yeah, I'm with you on that one. One of my, I guess I'll kind of lay out some of my favorite spots. And uh, one of the things that I really like to do is to get into those saddles. So if you see a spot where you've got, you've got a high piece of structure and another high piece of structure fairly close to it, that spot in the middle, uh, you know, I think, and this is something that really up until the last few years, whenever I would see that stuff, I would say, well, here's a hump here, there's a ridge here, but I don't remember who even told me this. I think it was Randon Olson. And he said, that's a wall, you know, and whenever I see, you know, a lot of the other places I like to fish is, is on a drop off. And I always thought of it as a drop off. Um, You're going from shallow to deep, but he, he said, no, this is, this is a wall. You're going from deep to shallow. And basically what that does is it it creates a a kind of some friction for those fish. And, you know, Fish are just like us. If we're walking down a valley in the mountains, we don't want to walk up that mountain if we don't have to. We're going to try to stay in that valley and cover as much ground as we can. And that's kind of the way fish are, too. They see that that as a wall. They see it as a ridge or almost like a mountain. And if they can get what they want and stay on the bottom, that's what they're going to do. So I like to stay kind of right at the the base of that that drop off, and and that tends to kind of congregate fish. But those saddle areas where you've got uh, kind of two high spots, try to find that low spot in the middle. Same thing, uh, fish going to cruise down through there. Then the I think the other super popular one, especially and you hear it a lot, you know, in Minnesota, is uh, kind of reefs and rock piles. Those are spots that uh, tend to congregate fish. And if you're going to go set that fish house up, and you want you know, 24 hour type action, that may not be the place where you're going to find the best action all day long, but you should have fish kind of flowing through there throughout the day. Right. Yeah. You know, to kind of elaborate on that point, like uh, another good spot is weeds, like especially early in the year, if you have good green weeds, uh, that's a great place where fish are going to be coming in and checking it out, you know, most of the day, but especially during those late hours, early in the morning, afternoon um that's a great place it's the other advantage is it's nice and shallow all those fish can easily be released um that's you know one of the challenges you run into with fishing deeper water yeah the other uh, really good tip i think i have for people is uh, is to use all the holes in the house i mean the advantage of fishing out of that fish house and we talk about the advantages of moving around and being able to be mobile well, the advantage of using that fish house is that you can actually set things up and kind of let it sit there and let it let it brew. So to have holes covered and not have lines down when you can legally have lines down is really a misstep. Um, so, you know, have that, that jigging rod in your hand, but uh, you can drop down with a dead stick. And with the dead stick, you can, you can use that rod holder that Catch Cover has. It's awesome. It holds that rod in place, but it also, you know, if there's a fish on, it really, you know, gives that mobility. You'll see it. You know, it's very easy to to detect a bite on that rod holder uh, or a rattle reel. And a lot of people think of rattle reels as a walleye tool or a northern tool. But, you know, if you put a crappie minnow on that thing and just set it really light, you're going to be able to pick up an indicator on a bite and we've caught perch and crappies and bluegills and all kinds of fun stuff on rattle reels just depends on how you got set up but making sure that if you're in a state where you can have two lines per angler that you're doing that or in a state where you have three lines per angler that you're doing that 
uh, is going to help out a lot too, especially if you're fishing at like on those rock bar type places. And that's the other cool thing is just because we have it set up for a bluegill doesn't mean a walleye can't come get it, especially, you know, on right. those rock bars, reefs and saddles. Yeah. Well, and the other thing with fishing in a permanent shack is it's a lot easier to manage your lines, you know, all those extra lines. You're not setting a tip up, you know, 30 yards away from you. It's, you have a rattle reel or a dead stick set up five or 10 feet from you. You don't have to worry about lines freezing up either. You're not adding extra hole covers, things to keep, you know, prevent that from freezing, which is a major issue a lot of times when you're using a dead stick. Yeah. And if you're out there in a day where you can do that, though, I think it's a great idea. Just get a couple lines out away from the house. You know, oh, if it's 100%. There, yep. Yeah. If it's 30 and sunny out, uh, get a couple lines out and just make sure they're in a spot where you can easily look out the window and see it. But uh, a lot of good stuff out there. Um, when we're out chasing this stuff, again, you and I had talked about bait and a variety. I think that's another important thing when we're doing this is to have a variety of different things down as well. And again, that's the advantage of being in that fish house is that you can run some live bait down. And then on your jig stick, you know, you're a big plastic guy, you know, run, run plastics on that. Just having that variety. And I think uh, we got uh, hopefully all you guys a little fired up to get out of the ice. It is early June and uh, we're in the midst of this humongous heat wave, but Hey, uh, December is only six months away. We'll be out on the ice before you know it. Uh, 180 days away from freezing temperatures and, and walking on water. Yeah, it's not that far away. Not that far away. For Blake, I'm Chris. Thanks for watching and listening to the Fish House Nation podcast this week. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Fish House Nation podcast presented by Catch Cover. For more ice fishing content, visit our blog at catchcover.com.